Welcome to another week of Views from the Box. Today we have a special guest, Lewis from Good Reviews. Nice to meet you, Lewis. Thank you very much for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Cheers for coming on, mate. Also, Dan. No worries. And my co-host, Daniel. Daniel, how are you doing? Bro, I'm fuming. We should not... This team should never go to United. United are... Oh. Yeah, so um, I'm also start at that result, Liverpool United. So, um, Lewis, as our guest today, fire away, man. What, what, what do you make of today's game for Liverpool? Well, fire away is all we did in the end. They shot about <laughs> 50 things at once. They just didn't do anything. I mean, I I said going into this, everyone built this game up like it was going to be the repeat of last season. It was going to be 5-0, 6-0, United games, form goes out the window. I don't. It doesn't matter what state they're in. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It's a difficult game no matter what. And today was just a case of they had a game plan, sit back, control the game from outside their box, nullify Salah. And, you know, you take out your main creative threat or one of your main creative threats and we just struggled. Nothing, no impetus up front. No, we were shooting without any kind of purpose and it, it showed. We we were dull today. There was nothing exciting, nothing. We just couldn't do anything. We were out of ideas by the second half, to be honest. Yeah, that's before. One thing I noticed was um, as soon as United locked down your right side, Trent and Salah, you guys were struggling to create big up chances. And I think with most teams, you know, if they can back themselves to defend the hard space crosses from Trent, I'll be much more comfortable with Trent creating from deep than him being on the on, on the on, on the right hand side, holding with them, whipping him crosses. I think Klopp may have missed the trick. They're moving um, Trent into midfield. I think. If Trent was stationed just out wide so Salah can just make those runs inside and Trent to spam those half space, half space crosses, it could have worked better. But moving Trent into midfield, on this occasion, it made United much more comfortable than it should have been. It definitely... It wasn't the game to test it. It definitely did. And what you said there like speaks volumes about other areas of our team. You said if teams can lock down our right-hand side, they're comfortable. Then what's our left hand side doing? To me, Timikas are allowed because Timikas is not meant to be a starting left back for us when we're going to uh, go for the title. I don't personally, I don't think he should be our backup, but I don't think he's the he's the least of our worries. And I was actually all all right with his performance. Luis Diaz, no dribbles completed. It. Bro, I didn't I didn't need to see that stat for me. Bro, I don't know the last time you completed a dribble. <laughs> Let, let's let's not even talk about today. So like for me, there was a lot of poor performances and the reason why today annoyed me is because this is not the first time that City have dropped points Liverpool play after City and Anfield and haven't uh, capitalised on it the 19-20 season we got 97 points City lose to Newcastle 99 uh, no 97 points not the 99 points okay. uh, when we didn't win the league City lose to City uh, to Newcastle on the Tuesday we play Leicester at home we don't beat them and if we copy and paste what you said today, Lewis, for the Leicester game, it would have been completely the same. Run out of ideas, shooting from anywhere, lack creativity. It happened against them. We drew against United, nil nil that season again. You could have said the exact same thing. We drew nil nil against Goodison, and now we're joining at United. And it's annoying where these big games come up and we just look short of ideas. And it's something that needs to change very quickly. Otherwise, Pop might not win another Premier League. And that's going to be very sad. Uh, yeah, so, so I think, yeah. Yeah, Lewis, you, you can go on. No, no, sorry, it was only a quick one. It's just, I, I completely agree. And it's it's been a case this season of every time other teams around us have dropped points, 
we do the exact same thing. You know, we drew to Brighton earlier on in the season. I think it was after Arsenal dropped points. Um, City lost to Wolves, and then we had the Spurs result, which, yes, you know, it is what it is, but we still dropped points there. We need, we're just, before the Palace game, we went four games without scoring any goals from our front three. No one in the front three was scoring goals, and that's eye-opening. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it. There's just no rhyme or rhythm to it at the minute, and I don't know if it's a tactical system or if it's players lacking confidence. But it's it needs to end. We need to figure out what the actual problem is here. Uh, me personally, I think it's personal for you guys because I checked your top scorers list. Salah has eleven league goals. Your second highest top scorer has four. That is too much of a gap. And the very and least, that's Darwin, isn't it? Yeah, Darwin, Jota, them and there. And, and bear in mind, two of Darwin's goals came in one game. Yeah, also, at the bare minimum, your second highest top scorer should be no more than three, four goals behind, in my honest opinion, if you want to have two reliable shooters in the team. And also, I think moving forward with Liverpool, as Dan pointed out earlier a couple of weeks ago, just get the DM might not solve all your issues because there's some aspects tactically that Klopp might need to tweak. But also, your left side is letting you guys down massively. Diaz is not contributing. We all know Nunes shooting blanks. Jota hasn't hasn't recovered his scoring form from two seasons ago. Uh, Idar Firmino, this, this season's chipping as well. So it's literally just Salah by himself this season. No one else is pulling their weight. Another factor that we have to factor in is whoever we've played at left centre mid this season has not helped creatively on a consistent basis. Yes, it's hard because Klopp doesn't normally change his midfield this much and this is the first time we've had to see it and fair enough, he's struggling but the way our midfielders, especially the right, uh, the left centre mid creatively this season is struggling. You saw Graham Bush today, he wasn't that great. Yes, he went off injured. Last week against Palace, Lewis, I don't know if you remember, he couldn't dribble anyone, he couldn't win any 50-50s, all his passes would be misplaced. Um, it, Curtis Jones was all right before he got his red card, but since he's come back, he hasn't been that great in that slot. So I feel like going forward, whoever is playing in that slot is not really helping. But I agree with you. I think tactically today, if we're going to talk about today alone, there were some things that I found weird from Klopp, Cody Gakpo playing right wing. The four-two-four for ten minutes, which allowed United yeah. back into the game. That was really yeah. But I also feel like personnel need to step up. There were some things today. Um, somebody, uh, Diaz goes through on goal um, they slide the ball away yes they get him in the follow through might be a penalty might not I don't think it was but there's a ball there to be chased and a goalkeeper on the floor I don't know why Darwin Nunes is stopping um, I don't know Lewis when Darwin Nunes goes one on one with most strikers when Salah goes one on one I expect that ball to be in the net with Nunes it's 50-50 18 months in and that's concerning Tom, see, Nunez is one of those people that the things he scores and the things he does, he scores the goals he should not be able to score. Like volleys, half volleys. He'll, I'm, I guarantee he'll score a bicycle kick at some point. Like he's just that type of player. But I can't figure out if it's he's in his own head too much. Can't figure out if he's still quite raw because he is only like 23 around about them. But he need, that moment where he goes through on goal is a sign of his immaturity. He should not be appealing for a penalty because what's the point? If that is a more seasoned striker, that is someone just eye for goal, goal poacher. They get the ball regardless of what happens. If the ref, if you score that goal and the ref says, oh, well, it was a foul, the goal's just going to get given anyway. There's no reason not to just carry on with it. And 
We talked earlier on in the season about, you know, Salah's complimenting Nunez and Nunez is starting to really show his ability. But we saw it today. As soon as Salah gets taken out of the game, all Nunez doesn't have a clue what to do with himself. He doesn't know whether he needs to go out wide to provide for someone else. He doesn't know whether he needs to be going behind to try and get the ball to himself. He looks scared and lost like he doesn't know what to do. And that moment that you mentioned there of him appealing for a penalty when the ball's there to be won, it's just a sign that he, he doesn't know what to do with himself. He looks lost 90% of the time at the moment. Also, for, for Nunes, even despite the amount of chances he misses, because you also saw Cavani back in the day, miss loads of chances, mm-hmm. but he'll get six, seven big chances a game. And on, on a good day, he'll get two or three. On a bad day, he'll convert at least one. And for Nunes, at the worst, he should be a, a one and two striker with the ability he has, in my honest opinion. Even I'm, the amount of space... creator as well. Yeah, the amount of chances yeah. he gets, this guy should be a mm-hmm. one and two at worst. How Giroud was giving Arsenal um, 12 to 16 league goals per season. Nunes should be that at worst. But right now, mm-hmm. struggling to get 15 league goals, which is farcical for the... Forget 15. He's trying to get 10. Like, yeah. yeah. I, don't he, I don't think he hit double digits last year. Like he got nine last year. Last year, so one off. This year, he's six off double digits. Yes, there's still a lot of games to play, but let him get double digits first because we spent £68 million on this player. Like, Peace. Basically, based on yeah. we need to be seeing something soon. And I don't know if Nana was going to touch on this before the season, Lewis. I don't know what you thought. I wasn't going, for, I didn't feel we we're going to go for the title. I didn't think we we're ready. But we're in this position. We can't just be like, uh, we weren't meant to be ready anyway. We'll be ready next yeah. year. Be ready now. The opportunity yeah. has presented itself. Yeah, because you don't know what, yeah. what, what seat you're going to do in the next six months, what reshuffle they're going to do. Yeah. So, yeah, stay ready. And one thing I will say is, um, back on Nunes, yeah, at 23-24, how can you still be playing like a headless 21-year-old who doesn't know their left from right? It's very concerning. Some Liverpool fans on the Twitter were saying, on Twitter were saying, maybe it's time for Liverpool to cut their losses in the summer. What do you guys think of that? Way too soon. I think you've spent, we've spent that much money on a player who, yes, he divides opinion. And yes, he does have bits where I just think you just don't look like you're at it. But at the same time, there's the Newcastle results. He scored plenty of goals in the Champions League last season. He scored in the Community Shield last season. Like he, he does score. It's just he's he, he misses the things that you just should be scoring. He scores the things that you just shouldn't be. So but those moments, the ones that he does score come every few and far between. Whereas yeah, he's getting the easy chances are, every match. Yeah, because those are low XE chances, those are half chances. That you score, yeah, yeah. When, when your luck is on, but the bread and butter of a striker is those t- ten to twelve yarders tappings, one on ones. He's not doing Arsenal. Arsenal have got Gabriel Jesus and Nab and uh, Eddie and Katia. If one of them comes out and the other one comes in, there's a difference in quality. But I know for a fact that they can do the basics, and you know, you know, you'll know better than me, now, yeah. But yeah. they know where to put themselves. They know where to position themselves and how to play. So. I like what you said. They know how to do the basics. And with Nunes, I feel like that's the thing that's concerning. Realistically, no, I don't think we should uh, cut our losses. I did say that to some people after the game. But like, if you think about it, realistically, you just bought someone for a lot of money. The striker market is very cooked. I saw Matt, who are Arsenal linked with today. Some, some, so basically, the last 24 hours, you've been linked with Osman, Tony, Solanke. Solanke, that was it. You're yeah. to Lanky. The striker market at the moment is not the best. So I'm not saying that like, there's a guarantee or there's something that's out there that I feel like we should 100% get. But that doesn't mean Nunes 
gets gets away with it. Yeah, that doesn't mean his place in Liverpool is safe. Lewis, you're hitting the nail on the head. He has to do the basics well. And with him, you just don't know what you're going to get from him at every single moment. You don't know where you're going to be at every single moment. Just like, bro, you're playing for Liverpool. We're going for the D right now. This is not last season. If we're going for top four, I'll be sweet. I'll be annoyed we didn't beat United, but I'll be like, oh, we're a point behind first place Arsenal who are going for the league. But we're going for the league now. We've dropped silly points against United because he's not the main reason, but he's part of the reason. Luis Diaz also contributed to it. I don't think Cody Gakpo has been that great, was that great when he came on. Yeah, Gakpo as well. He's also been... And if you look at his goal-scoring record, it's not really the best. Horrendous. Horrendous. Um, like Trent, in terms of creatively, he was trying to do hoof ball a bit too much, and that annoyed me. Even though he tried to put impetus into the game, and I respect that, but I feel like he's one of our experienced, more quality players now. But I just... This team... I just want them to get to the point where they were in 1920, where a big game, they need to get three points, get three points. Game is done within 30, 40, at worst 60 minutes. And it's annoying that we haven't gone to that and we are not playing well. Like, when was the last time we played well? To be fair, to be fair Daniel, remember last week I asked you, um, what's the difference between your current local side and your peak 2018 to 2020 side? And you said, lack of an Adam, Hendel at, at, at his peak. Um, Robertson when he was younger, dynamic. You guys are missing some crucial, crucial pieces. I think you guys are suffering from the same issue as Man City, whereby your players that have left were so good at their peak now, you're replacing them with youngsters who are still finding their feet in their careers. They're not really experienced yet. Obviously, they have games under their belt, but Graven Birch, he basically wasted the season at Bayern last season, barely played. Um, McAllister, having to play as a number six because because of a lack of a reliable number six. Um, you have Curtis Jones still finding his feet career-wise. I'll be Elliot not trusted to be a star yet. So I think you guys are in transition in, in key positions, especially midfield. Midfield is very key. And you're basically, your, your title charge here is hinging on four world-class players. Alisson, Trent, Van Dijk and Salah. Those four are the reason why you're in a shout Carbon the halfway point and the supporting cast aren't doing as much as they can with, with, with the ability that they have. Like Diaz, since that knee injury, hasn't been the same. Jota, since he got injured last season, he has not gone back to the form of two seasons ago. So, as I said, your fans may think Nunes might need to go, but I think Diaz and Jota might need to be in a chopping block come this summer. I think you guys go out there and get a couple dynamic wingers to replace what Mane gave you guys. And that's what you guys are missing. That that spark for Mane, that game breaker whereby, you know, oh, we can look down the right side, but oh crap, we have to worry about Mane on the left side. That one, someone has impetus. And I think that's what you guys are lacking that pizzazz, my, my honest opinion. Well, I think the the season we won the league, we were, we still lost Salah to Afcon, I believe, for a period of time. Um, that um, was um or two, two, two seasons ago when he lost the league. Yeah, triple run. Yeah, run, sorry, we lost Salah for the AFCON and we still won games because we had got options. We still have Firmino and Mane and we've got options now, but I agree. I, I, I agree in the sense of those four key players. We saw it in the uh, 2021 season. We lost Van Dijk and it just all, everything collapsed. We've, I don't know if it's 
the personnel we've brought in aren't good enough because I do feel like Sobislai is great, McAllister's looking good, and uh, we knew he wasn't going to be the finished article, but I completely agree. We need to fill those gaps that just clearly are not up to the level of everyone. Diaz came in with promise. He got the injury since he's come back. He hasn't looked the same. He just He's lost that yard of pace. Yeah, nothing, we miss Robertson massively in the left-back position. You know, he, he, what he provides is so much different to Simicass. There's just, it's not working, and it's this goes back to CDM talk is the one that everyone goes on about, but you were absolutely right in what you said before. That's not the only thing we need to improve. We're still developing just because these players have hit the ground running doesn't mean we're done. We've still got a long way to go before we can get back to what to our best. Def- definitely. Nana, Nana, it's good that you said about our midfield and I was talking about it on a group chat. With Liverpool, when like when Klopp got his set of first eleven, every time he got a new player, they wouldn't start straight away. Robertson wasn't starting yeah. straight away. Fabinho mm. wasn't starting straight away. It took him a while to, yeah. to get into the team. I feel just because of when we were at our pomp with Klopp's system, in terms of like the tactical knowledge and IQ that you need, as well as the physical attributes, it takes a time for some players to adapt to that. Now, taking the fact that now Klopp has a completely new midfield, he doesn't have his leaders that he had in midfield before in Henderson and Milner. Now, I'm not saying it's a complete excuse for us not to be Manchester United, because I feel like we should have, even on the base of the game, they were quite poor, giving the ball away. They should still be winning. I feel like that's part of the reason why we haven't clicked. Today, we weren't great. Against Fulham, we weren't, uh, we weren't great. Against Palace last week, we weren't great. Sheffield United, we weren't that great. We won three out of those four games. Just because we won doesn't excuse the performances. And I've said on this podcast before, over the long run, performances are the best indicator of where a team is going to end up. Because you can't hide after 38 games. You can't play 38 games and win. It's not going to work. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, for for Liverpool today, quite disappointing. But looking forward, what do you guys think needs to happen in the next year? Moving forward, transfer wise, what how many players do you guys need to get back to a level of twenty eighteen to twenty twenty Liverpool? What needs to happen in the next um, three months in the market? It's difficult, really. I I and you might completely disagree with Daniel. I mean, I might be in the minority here, but I don't think we can get back to that height again. Quite frankly, because the players we signed to get us to that point, you know, Alisson, Van Dijk, Salah, in. As you know, it sounds a bit big. They were generational Premier League talents. You can't get people who are just going to replace them straight away. You're going to have to learn to win the league and develop in a different way. Like City have done it under Pep. They lose their striker. They play Phil Foden as a false nine and adapt to the style of play. They then bring in Haaland and adapt. We have to do the same. It's it, We've seen it with United for years. You can clamour to go back to your best days, but it doesn't work. We have to learn to change our system and go with the times and develop a different style of play and instead of trying to replicate what worked for us in the past and the when you know van dyke's not getting any younger Salah's not getting any younger we need to start thinking about what comes next yeah, like robertson you say and, robertson needs a replacement that's why i don't understand why you guys renew shimmercast when robertson is yeah. close over over the hill yeah. No, I, I agree. Robertson's getting, like, isn't it early at the age now we have to consider by changing him? And, you know, it's a shame, but 
the only way we're going to get forward is we're going to have to deal with these tough times. I'm not saying tough times because, you know, we're one point behind first. We're still in a title race, but there is going to be a lot of pain before we go back to being our best. We're just going to have to learn to do it in a different way as opposed to trying to replicate what we did in the past. That's a different way. I feel like you guys could, there's still those profiles out there in the market, just like the finished product. You guys can still, it may take time to get back to that level, but you can still sign those profiles. They're still... Robertson type flying left backs in the market out there. Um, Allison, he's footballers keepers can play till their late thirties. So Allison's secure. Evan uh, Dyke, like for like. hope Konate's fitness levels actually. I, I, I don't trust Konate. I think just get Evan Dyke. Yeah, your your man that are sporting Lisbon. That's your Van Dyke era right there. Seventy more release clause. Um, I don't even play, but I hope you're right, and I hope we get him. <laughs> Oh, beastly player, absolute beast. You, you guys, after we're done, you go on YouTube and watch a couple of clips of him. Colossus, obviously not 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 the level of Saliba, but he's a colossus. He's what you sign. He's, he's that generational centre back, level raiser. You'll come in straight away, and you'll see the difference straight away. In terms of uh, that midfield profile that for being on octopus everywhere, tentacles everywhere, that'll be harder to find in the market because it's a very niche position. But you can find a similar profile in terms of explosive winger. There's options out there. Nico Williams at Alpha Bilbao. Strong off both feet. Great ball striker with thrive in the club system. Um, the Bakayoko kid from um, PSV. Those are live wise out there. So there are profiles out there to replicate those type of players, but you won't be able to sign them when they're about to make that jump into their peak. So for Liverpool right now, I say get those guys in whilst you can still make the most of Salah and Van Dijk. Otherwise, when they come in after they've gone past their peak, way past their peak, the growing pains are going to be way harder to deal with. Yeah, we need to utilize Van Dyke, Salah, Allison being at our club, playing very well. Um, I do, I, I see where Lewis is coming from. I do, and I, I like that point of view with the fact that we can't be like United, just leaning on the past and saying let's replicate the past and do it in the future. And you made a good example with City. City are a very good team, but. Would you guys say the treble team forget accolades in terms of watching them were as good as the team that got 100 points? No. The team that got 100 points, yeah. yeah. They would demoralise you. You wouldn't exactly. even bother. The least one space behind you, but because you're so demoralised, you couldn't take advantage. And and that's why I see where Lewis is coming from because in terms of points, Pep has gone close to that 100 points in terms of the points he accumulated. But in terms of the quality of the team and how they played on the pitch, they weren't as good as that 100-point team. So Klopp needs to find a way. It's a bit tougher for him because there's a lot of unknowns with Soboslai. He's still young, like we said. Curtis Jones, he's still young. Harvey Elliott. And these are the people we need to re rely on. It, it can be a case of these players are not good enough, like Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones. I hope they become good enough and we need to sell them and keep players. Or it becomes a case where these players actually fulfill their potential and we don't actually need to buy it because in terms of what Wijnaldum was giving Liverpool, I'm not saying Curtis Jones is similar to that or he can become that, but he was showing that for Liverpool he replicated his role within the team. So we might have ready-made solutions within the team, but the players need to step up and it's getting to a stage where they need to step up. Yes, we can give them time, but we're Liverpool Football Club. Klopp took us back to the top. We can't just go back to where we were before Klopp came. Let's stay at the top for as long as possible. We were good in the 80s. The older Liverpool generation have the stories of the Liverpool teams. Let us have our own story. So the players need to step up. But 
still annoyed with Drew today, man. I'm, so, uh, I'm still annoyed with Drew today. Now, what do you guys make of um, United's performance today? I, I, me personally, I thought United's performance was pathetic. And if you guys had just got one goal, the floodgates would have opened, in my honest opinion. And what from, one thing that surprised me was the lack of physicality United have. So weak indoors. Even if you, they were trying, that's the worst part. They were trying in their doors here, but they couldn't match you guys. And it's not like you guys midfield here was at the peak physicality, and United were still drowning. So <laughs> they got their point. Decent morale boost keeps Ten Hag in the job much longer, which is good for all of us. But what do you guys personally think of that performance today? I mean, from a United perspective, it's ideal for them. They've gone to one of the toughest away grounds and came away with a point on a ground where. They've been thumped for the past God knows how many years, like five years. Yeah, so yeah, five years. So it's you know for them that's a good result. I think they went there expecting to get slaughtered, and you could see it as the game went on. the The longer we went without scoring, the more chances they were getting. Anthony on the right, he wasn't great, but the the ball was getting to him. He was causing a few problems, cutting it across the edge of the box towards Hoyland. When Rashford came on, there was one or two moments where he was having a go at Joe Gomez and. Yeah, from a United perspective, physically they were poor in terms of ball keeping the ball. They were poor, but the game plan was clearly just to sit back, soak up pressure, and try and hit on the counter attack. And in terms of the result, it worked to an extent. So for them, they've carried on their trend this season of playing absolutely dreadfully, like they did against Fulham and Luton and Burnley, but coming away with points. So you know, credit to them for that. Yeah, I, have to, I have to agree there. Like as annoying as it is, yes. Now I do agree with those. Like they were pathetic. Like every time Anthony got the ball, not in the final third, he was always going to lose it. Amrabat was doing hot potato with the ball. Scott McTominay, unless it was at the edge of the box, did you even know that he was playing? So like there were some yeah. things where like thinking of it from a quality perspective, you're just like wow. There's a reason why everyone thought you were going to get thumped. But in terms of sitting back, and yes, Liverpool were poor, but United made it harder for Liverpool. Liverpool should have still taken advantage. Their box defending was good, but look, no, no, me and you won't be surprised if next week we're going to be here talking about United losing 3 0 to Aston Villa. So, is, is, it, is it West Ham? They have West Ham away, I think. Is it West Ham? Well, yeah, they have West Ham away, then they got Villa on boxing day. Yeah, well, we wouldn't mm, be surprised yes. if, if Kudos and uh, Paqueta clash it on them. So, good. <laughs> Good result for, for them. The game plan worked on paper, but they're still a low, low quality team. It's actually scary. But one person I need to give a shout out to, the best midfielder on the pitch was Kobe Maino. Yeah. I mean, he was the best midfielder on the pitch. Yeah. And it wasn't even that pass he did to Garnacho. In duels, he was competing with everyone in Liverpool. I'm not saying he won everything, but he was at least competing, making it hard for... I remember there was a time down the wing, him and Sobosai was tussling, and he just comes and slides in. So him, big up him. I'll big up his performance. Varane was very good. Evans showed his experience. But I think those three could come out of that game with their heads held high. Everyone else, typical performance. And I'm annoyed we did not crash on Onana. Did you see what he said after the game? He was talking spicy. <laughs> He, he, he basically he, said the well, atmosphere wasn't all that, that like, he was comfortable. Like, <laughs> that annoys me. Oh. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was quiet compared to what I thought it was going to be, but I think that's because we didn't... Everyone expected us to score, like, three goals in the first 10 minutes, and when it didn't happen, it did dip just a little bit. 
on uh, 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 just talking because if you guys just had one half chance that went in, the buckets would have opened. I, I was so confident. Like all, all you do was one goal, one goal. United would have come back. I assume this season, United when they go one goal down in tougher away grounds, they crumble. It's, it's it's actually scary. Mm -hmm. It could be in the first minute. It could be injury time. It can be any minute. If you score first against United and you're at home, you're gonna hit them for two or three. It could be a comfy comfy game from then on. Yeah. But for United, um, they're firmly in, firmly placed in hell. They are in hell. Um, um I, I, I'm sorry. It, it, it was sorry. It was just it was a really quick one. Just while you were, you were touching on players who deserved credit, I mean, Dallow. Did we? I thought he played really well today. But what did you think of the red card that he got? As a as an Arsenal fan, and I've had my team has been on the end of a Mike Michael Oliver double yellow. He's a prick because you booked him. It wasn't a throw-in in the first place. It was a throw-in for Man yeah. you. you booked him, fair enough, but it's still the same round you booked him for, so why are you giving him a second yellow for? Yeah. Like, these breaths are so pathetic. It's, a, it's injury time. He's frustrated. Just let it go. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, refs think we come to watch them. The player's annoyed. Just just, just, just call him over, have a chat to have a chat with him and say, hey, relax. You're doing a bit too much. Play on. But to book him again? Come on, man. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the inconsistencies of refs um, this season is, is a joke because Nunes did something similar today. You remember he kicked he brought into him, fouled, yeah. and then he kicked the ball. Yeah. First, that's that's a first. You know, Nunes only got one yellow, and yeah. he, did three, he did three offenses. The foul, the, the foul could potentially be a bookable offense. Fair enough, he gets away with it. Him kicking the ball away because the referee clearly blew his whistle. It's potentially a bookable offense. And then he's doing the send. I'm not saying Nuno should have been sent off, but I'm just saying if that happens to one player, you can see why other teams are annoyed. And it's there was something that happened in Turkey. Um, I think an owner punched a referee. Yeah, the the owner, the president came on the pitch and gave the referee a punch in the jaw. And then um one referee or somebody came out and said, Hopefully, this stops Arteta and Klopp. For what they say against ref. Okay, fair enough from his perspective. He's trying to defend himself. But the thing that gets fans are Teta Klopp annoyed is this inconsistency and this lack of emotional intelligence. We've all played football. We've all played a sport before. We get frustrated, especially when something doesn't go our way. It's part of emotion. We're not robots. I don't think Dalo did anything that was deserving of a red card. He wasn't that deep. Just have a chat with him. It wasn't in the referee's face. It was near the end of the game. Like, yeah, I just thought it was a poor red card. Absolutely poor red card. Poor red card. Um, yeah. Like, you think of it? <laughs> uh, who? He might disagree with us. <laughs> no, I I completely agree. I think I think that was an it was an absolute like you said it best. He he got booked for the same sentence essentially that he was finishing and. I don't. If you're going to warn someone for dissent, you've got to give them time to at least sort Come of rein it back. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's he can't. So he can't. He's not allowed to get his frustrations out on the pitch. He's not allowed to speak to the officials. He's not allowed to say anything in a post-match interview because he'll get a fine or a ban. Where is he meant to let the frustration out? And you talked about inconsistency. Harland, uh, the Man City Tottenham game, Harland's telling the refs to uh, F off and he's flipping his hands in the air and he's storming off the pitch and not a thing. So, yeah, I, even, I, even just last week, Pep was in the official's face at half time against Luton, not a peep. 
Yeah. No, I agree. So it, it's just inconsistency. And the Dallow one today, if, if we had won that game and the Dallow red card had happened, the whole story would have been on that. And, you know, rightfully so, I think, if that if that was going to be, if he was going to get sent off for such a stupid thing. Definitely stupid, right? PPGMO and PGMOL um, run like the Met Police, and no coincidence that the head of P or the ref says is a former policeman. No coincidence there. Lack of, lack of accountability yeah. and power trips. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, man, like, be- before we preview Liverpool Arsenal, I want to touch on the Arsenal game today. Did they you catch the Arsenal game or you have mm-hmm. the TPM pickoffs? Um, for, unfortunately, I didn't because I watched the United game in the pub, so the West. Yeah. Yeah, before before Lewis, um, can um can say what you thought of the game today. Do you watch Arsenal game today? No, no, I was watching the um West Ham Wolves game because oh, it was on Sky. I just kept up to date with the score. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So before we can preview next week's um, clash at Anfield, yeah, yeah. Today's game, defense perfect, chance creation perfect. But again, our attackers were so wasteful in the final third that like, I was mm. so annoyed up until AC scored because like. Brian today, yeah, we treated them like Chris Hutton's brand. Every time they try to pass out, Declan Rice would just nick the ball off the number 10 and we're in straight away. But we're shooting when we're meant to be passing. And when we're meant to be passing, we're shooting. Or when Saka gets on the byline and puts a crossing, no one's breaking their neck to get the tapping, which was frustrating as hell to me because how many times are you, do you have to do you have to get punished there before someone puts their neck? So when Jesus scored, it was just a massive sigh of relief from everyone on the, on the bench. And then from then on, it was just about, okay, get the second goal, kill off the game. Brighton had a very, very good chance before we got the second goal, Pascal Gross, but he fluffed his lines and we went up, up, up the other end, killed the game, two no three points and on to Liverpool. But yeah, man, uh, from our perspective, good win, back on track, first place. But our biggest issue right now is attacking efficiency because our defensive midfield here as a defensive unit have been formidable, absolutely formidable. So yeah. the attackers to start doing their bit and take the pressure off the defense. There's not every game here that the defense has to blow you guys out or having to be perfect for 90 minutes because you can't finish your dinner. Because next week at Anfield, we'll get chances, but we're facing Allison. We need to be hell, hella efficient because Salah can score for half chance out of nowhere. Trent can pop one from 30 yards. So Next week in the, in the in the game to be wasting chances. Otherwise, Anfield with the crowd, we will get sticky. And I'm quite worried about our fullbacks. Zinchenko has improved defensively this season, but his lack of concentration in possession at times, giving the ball away in dumb positions, is his biggest issue this season. In terms of one on one, he's improved vastly. I'll give him that. Ben White this season, woefully off form. I don't know if he's carrying an injury because the amount of space he's giving his wingers here, yeah, it's doing my head in. Even last week for McGinn's goal. Should have closed him down. McGinn is not a pop midfielder or an agile yeah, player that will beat you on a swivel. Close him down and that goal hasn't gone. So, yeah, man, those are my concerns going to next week. Our fullbacks and our inefficiency up, up top. Before we touch on next week, I, I want to give more credit to Arsenal because even though we didn't, I didn't watch the game, I was keeping up with the stats. And in the first half, you had, what, 15 shots? They had absolutely no shots. Yeah, it was the second time in Arteta's reign that he's had 15 or more shots at one half. It was the first time in the Zerbi's reign that he, his team has conceded 15 or more shots in the first half. And I feel like in our podcast, and also when I'm when we are watching Sky Sports or other podcasts, there's two main concerns with Arsenal. People say Arsenal are not as free-flowing as last season. 
whatever the reason is for that, that is true. And the second one is Arsenal give team chances even when they're on top. I feel like today, in terms of your chance creation, what I've seen on Twitter from the highlights that I saw, you guys treated that game. It was a professional performance and it's something that you've wanted the Emirates. Yeah. But to have that, that is a good positive. But what you said about finishing chances, that needs to change very quickly because you can win games, but you've seen when it comes to the running, you'd be playing a team that is 13 and is completely safe at home. You'd be battering them and all of a sudden they go up the other end and score a goal. And then all of a sudden they have Maldini, Nesta and Baresi in the defense and the hard to break down. So you don't need that in the running. And you don't want that to still be an issue going forward. Yes, take it one game at a time, previewing the uh, Liverpool game, but Arsenal need to fix that as soon as possible. Because that's the reason you lost against Villa. You should have beaten Villa. Yeah, the amount of chances we had here, despite despite the referee being a cunt, we could have scored two, three goals just off our play. Now, that's that's the most frustrating, frustrating part. But in the past few weeks, the chances have been coming, flowing. It's just that our attackers have been indecisive and inefficient. And defensively, we've been strong all season, so I'm not worried about that. So next week, I, I don't know how to approach next week. Either we approach like last season, whereby we impose our game, silence the crowd, and keep it tight, or we play like a city game as turgid as possible, and try and be efficient as possible in transition. But if you want to win that game, we might have to use a combination of both approaches and see what happens. But yeah, man, going to next week. I'll take a point, honest opinion, because it's Anfield. Because Arsenal aren't just playing Liverpool, you're playing the crowd as well. If we're playing Liverpool for what they are, I'll be confident in getting a win. But the, the players are going there to play Liverpool and the Anfield crowd. So in that regard, it's just you'd be happy with a point going into the game. I I think the the you hit the nail on the head there when you were saying we can either sit, we can either play just our way and try and control the tempo or we can just get at them and just have a go. I think that's probably your best bet. We saw United today um, sit back, defend, soak up pressure, and it does work, but we have defenders capable of dealing with your players coming on the counter-attack. Saka's unreal and Martinelli's unreal, but I think at Anfield, without a number six and given the way that we played today and we've still got the Carabao Cup coming up we're going to be leggy we're going to be a lot more physically drained than Arsenal I think have you got a week off now you're not in the Carabao yeah, Cup now are you basically our schedule is sweet up until February yeah so you've got a week off now we've got a game on Wednesday and then we've got you on the weekend we if you have a go and get at us and just try and overload the midfield with the incredible players you've got there, I think I can see real problems for us. And when you're talking about you couldn't finish it, like, you know, up front, you've been poor, but you're still getting those goals. And today against Brighton showed that you were poor up front, but you were able to still score two goals. We were poor up front and we couldn't score anything. And we were having to shoot from 25 yards out at times just because we couldn't do anything up front. If you come to Anfield with the mindset of we've got nothing to lose here, go for it. I can see it being a really, really difficult game for us. Yeah, because last season we didn't have the Declan Rice and Saliba because we missed that physicality, yeah. the ability to, you know, condense the pitch and make it tighter. But this time we have Declan Rice, who's an absolute phenomenon. This guy eats mm -hmm. ground like it's nothing. We've got Saliba now fit. So I'll be interested to see the difference in our performance with them two on the side because 
let's be honest, party gets swallowed up at Anfield. This guy has never had a good game at Anfield since he signed. So the crowd gets to him. Yeah? The crowd gets to him. So, I mean, he's a pretender, man. Absolute pretender, man. Like at home, you do your thing, but away from home in a big game, the guy ain't doing shit. That's why this season I'll be very interested to see how we fare with having Declan Rice and Saliba playing this time. So it'll be interesting. I just want to see if we might change our approach or we go with what we did last season, but with the addition of two physical monsters to, you know, help maintain the intensity and make the pitch tighter. I wouldn't be surprised if you go with the approach that you did against City, only because I feel like you you know how Pep transformed his team. So he had like short players, tippy-tappy. Now his team is tall, big. They can win duels. They can go long if they need yeah. to go long. I feel it's kind of... I'm not saying it's the same with Arsenal, that Arsenal can go long, but I feel like with Arteta's team, I look at the team and it's men. Like, it's actually men. So, like... Rise the only midget. If, if it's 50-50, like, yes, well, it's going to be a long 90 minutes. So, I don't... I feel like you guys will do that because that is a very good way of controlling the crowd as well. People always think you need to come to Anfield and to silence the crowd. You need to play us off the park. Yes, that can happen, but that doesn't happen often. If you match us in energy, and it's not as if also a bad team, also a very good team, so they can match us in energy, have 40, 50% of the ball and still be threatening. So I feel like next week, it will tell me a lot about Arsenal because... Psychologically, yeah. Psychologically, because last season, people only remember from when Shaka got his yellow card to the end because he absolutely dominated Arsenal. But the period before then, Arsenal absolutely dominated Liverpool. It was probably one of the most dominant performances I've seen from an English Premier League team at Anfield. They had most of the ball, creating most of the chances we can get out. So I want to see what happens. It's going to be a big test for both teams, but it Liverpool have to win that more than Arsenal. And that puts yeah, Arsenal in a better position. Because oh, you've got no, 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 no. So for, for, I was just gonna say for Arsenal to be in that position ahead of us, brilliant for them. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think Arsenal for this now, if you beat us, I can't really see much of a world where City or us catch you. Um, and you've got depth as well. I think that's the biggest thing this season that you didn't have last season is yeah, you've caveat. got players. But that's a big caveat. Our depth, our players, you get injured in training or get injured when they are getting their minutes. ESR gets his first start mm. for United, does his knee, we don't see him for three weeks. Um, party. Always pulling something in training. Tomiyasu, when he gets his run of games, he's not out for six weeks of a calf injury. Our depth players are the ones letting us down because they're so injury prone. And one person tweeted last week, injury prone players put a lot of pressure on your starting players or other players in the squad because games whereby you can rest players, you can't rest them because their rotation option is injured. Like today, Partey could have easily got half an hour today if he was fit. They can rise play 60 minutes, Partey comes on, we still get the same result at the end of the game. Um, Tomiyasu today can get half an hour today. Um, Timber, unlucky, does ACL. If we had Timber and Tomiyasu fit, I would be going to the Anfield game thinking, yeah, we can get three points because we have two guys who can defend by themselves and can deal with their winger by themselves. But now we have to go with Zinchenko and Ben White. Timber, not his fault, then his ACL. But Tomiyasu, your first run of games, two, three games, wherever you got starts and you pull your half six weeks and you've barely started the season. So we have depth, but our depth is unreliable. 
Uh, right. Okay. I wasn't. I didn't know that. I thought it was quite like the way people describe it is with Arsenal. It's very similar to the City thing, where it's if one player comes out, there's just a like for like replacement ready to go in. I, I do all that would work, but the depth are reliable. Absolutely reliable. Ah, uh, okay. They, they get so, a bit at this moment. if I like for the Arsenal team. I mean, would you say that your starting lineup today that played is like your strongest out and out starting lineup that you have yeah. available to us right now, based on the players that are, yeah. are fit? That's our strongest lineup, and that'll be our starting lineup mm-hmm. come next Saturday. Party will be on bench if he's back because right, okay. at the end of the day, Party's a cone off the ball in these type of games. Havertz off the ball is better than Party in these type of games. Havertz is way more visible than Party. Surprising, <laughs> I know, because Arsenal fans love to lie and say Party is this amazing juggernaut off the ball. But watch the tapes last season, the running. This guy was absolutely cold. Away to United, away, away to City, at home to at home to um to Southampton. Lavia played him off the park. Even at West Ham, they can rise, drag his balls all over him. Um, the Liverpool game. This guy did not help us get gain control of the game at all. And yet, Jack and Odegaard were the ones getting the blame for that result last season. And Party had no criticism, even though you're the DM. You're meant to be this world-class DM, but you can't help us with game control in the game. So that's why this game here, I think Rice and Taliba will be very crucial in us getting a result that we want. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult for Arsenal. I, you've got such a strange change in the way that you play compared to last season where, and I think Brighton and the Southampton results at the end of last season really affected the way Arteta wanted to play going forward. He's, he's so conservative now and he wants to just get the 1-0 wins and the 2 like he, he just wants to keep it minimal and contained and I for the players you've him, got he wants, he wants to play to the game state so if the game yeah. state permits you to a stat pad go for it but don't force it if the game state is a bit is a bit edgy is a bit tight get out yeah. to 2-0 and get out of there but if the team is so bad that like, i.e. Sheffield United or Burnley, and it permits you to go there and just fill up your boots, go for it. So he's taking a more measured approach. Us fans maybe make this mistake whereby they think Arteta is Pep or or Wenger. He's more of a that uh, he's more George Graham than Wenger, in my honest opinion. Would you guys agree? He's definitely not that he's definitely closer to Graham. He's pragmatic, but then you also have to remember Arteta played football in Scotland, Arteta played under David Moyes. Yep. So he had a lot of different tactical, like, teachers. Up- upbringing, yeah. Upbringing when he was coming. Because, like, people only think, like, Pep was his teacher at Man City. He learned things from Pep. Anyone would. He's the best coach in the world. But he had, he played under Moyes. He played under, he played in Rangers. So, yeah. let I, don't, I think he's closer to Graham. He's very pragmatic. But, Lewis, you asked, Nana, a good question in terms of like, was the team they played today the strongest team? I thought the team we started today against United will be quite similar to the team we started against Arsenal, just with either Elliot or Jones replacing Gravenbridge because he got injured today. And what do you think of that team playing Arsenal at Anfield? Especially with Havertz and Rice, who are physically better than Partey. Oh, God, yeah. Havertz and Rice are just physical monsters. And Rice scares me. Even Havertz at the minute looks like he's great. But look, we're we're in a situation right now where injuries are stacking up. We're still in a lot of competitions. And I think the Thursday night football, in that Union SG game, I would have rather not seen any of the first team players play. I think that was a mistake. 
we I, I don't know you asked me if it's if it's if i'd be happy with that one with jones Elliott coming in endo just doesn't fill me with confidence still i think in that arsenal game the lack of pace he has and he looks at he looked out of his depth against bournemouth Imagine against Arsenal with Rice and Havertz and Odegaard and Martinelli cutting inside and Gabriel Jesus coming in deep. He's going to get ran off the pitch and Sobosly can only do so much running. So I'm not filled with confidence with it. Elliot's better as an impact sub. There's no McAllister. There's no Gravenberch. So it is just going to have to be a hope and see who starts really for us in that match. I think the best approach to Liverpool is draw Arsenal to an emotional game. If you can draw us into a motion game, make it end-to-end, whereby the crowd can get on our backs, make loads of noise, you know, basically suck the ball into the net, that's the perfect game state for you guys. But if you get into like a duel, a duel, a duel match, whereby having to rely on Endo to win back the ball, to get the ball off Arsenal, then it could get spooky, whereby Alisson will have to work in overtime next week. So best bet for you guys, try and draw Arsenal into a motion game. But if you can't make it emotional, then you're playing right to Arsenal's hands because Anfield, the emotion that that stadium can generate is hard to play against. And if you can get that game, that type of game, then you could get a result next week. But going into that game, I think I think it'll be a two-two man. I think um, both teams will do damage and will be a will be all on a shed man. I'm, I'm going for two-two. What, what do you guys think? I'll be surprised if we win. Um, I'll be very happy if we win. I feel like. Big games, we haven't been winning. Chelsea away, we drew. Should have won that. Well, Chelsea outplayed us in that game, but with the way Chelsea have been playing, we shouldn't be drawing there. Uh, Art City, we drew there. Didn't play that well. United, we drew. Spurs is probably the best we've played against a big team. Or Newcastle in the last 20 minutes. Um, Spurs, we got robbed. Newcastle, we managed to win. So... Like City, I'm seeing a pattern with us in the big games. Uh, with the way we've, we've been performing, I can't see us winning next week. So what's the score are you going with? One off. Lewis? Yeah, I, I think one all is a fair one. I think you you touched on something really interesting there, and I just really quickly want to say you mentioned that if we make this an emotional game, you know that benefits us. I think Arsenal this season have shown they can manage the emotional games very well, like the Luton match, you know, the last minute, the Man United game, the Tottenham game, the Chelsea game. I think you have reached the stage of sort of maturity mentally where the atmosphere doesn't seem to get to you, and I think Anfield. It's a it's one of the hardest grounds to go to. I think the personnel in your squad have enough leaders in it now to sort of keep it under wraps yeah. and basically it's back to the rice factor. The different rice factor. Some of you can yeah. gain control of the game and just, you know, calm everyone down. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, I think one all one all um is a fair result. If we get that, I'll be happy. Um user an exceptional team at the moment, so I'm happy with a draw against Arsenal. Yeah, with City dropping points, it's given us a lot of leeway in terms of points dropped to how bad City are doing right now. One win in six. To be fair, we can dive right into it. City dropping points again from, from a winning position. Is this the end of the cycle or Pep will fix it come halfway point and KDB will have a great run in and just win in the league? I'll be honest, I don't know. Um, because anything I would say will be based off hope. I'm not going to say it's the end because I said it was the end last year and they went and won the flipping treble. So I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to 
eat my words again, but it's definitely concerning from a City point of view. One, winning six. They played a lot of big teams and not one. They got only beat United. Huh? They wouldn't be United out of the big teams. Only be United. The loss against Villa was a concerning loss because they got battered in that game. It wasn't a case of a smashing grab. Yeah, pillar to post. Villa should have won two, three. So it is concerning, but fair play to Gary Neville because he said this before the ball was kicked and he's kept on saying it. The season after a treble for him at United was the toughest season because they've hit the mark, they've hit the peak, they've hit the mountain. And Freddie mm-hmm. said to them, Oh, you're bored, you're bored. And I'm seeing something similar with City. City in past years don't draw that game against Palace. Palace had what the first shot on target in the 70th minute. City don't City are three, four not up. Or when it goes two one, City go up the other end, two what three one, four one. That's when you know that we had Mars will come on and score the three nil, Bono score the four one. So I feel like I'm not saying these players are unprofessional because I think City have very professional players, but I just feel like they've hit the peak. Yeah, it's a, it's a natural drop off. Yeah, it's a natural drop off. It's a natural complacency. But please, and I was saying it on my Liverpool group chat before the United game do not write City off, do not write Pep off. No matter how bad they are. They might look. Pep will want to fix it, and he's going to drum that message into his players. And as Nana said, the best player in the league, or in my opinion, still needs to come back. It all depends on how KDB comes back, and that yeah. could potentially be a big factor. If KDB comes back, yeah, at his natural level, City can limit seventeen in a row. And what? How can you compete with that? Yeah, but one thing is, yeah, they're going into the second of the season with the lowest points accumulated since the year Liverpool won. I think at the halfway point that season, they had 38 points. This season, the halfway point, the max they can get is 40. And already, for them to even match last year's points tally, they have to win 17 and draw four out of the next 21. So, we're looking at unprecedented levels of results here for them to even get 90 points. Right, we're talking a crit, a Mazza. They have to do something way more crazy than the 54 points accumulated back in 2019 when they beat you guys by a point to even get to 90 points. So it's a tall order because bear in mind, they don't have Gundogan to, to chip in. They don't have Riyad Mahrez. Uh, it's literally just KDB plus Haaland. People are forgetting this. Like, there's no Gundogan there to do his bit. No Mahrez to come to the bench and, or even to come in for five to ten games and do his job. It's literally just KDB. City's season hinges on KDB. And when was the last time City have got into a, a running basing their hopes of one player? It's, you, I think there's two things. You touched on it there perfectly. They've lost leaders in that team. Gundogan was so key for them while he was there. Mares was in, like one of the best wingers the league's ever seen. It, I, when I look at City, I feel like they don't know how they want to play. Like one minute, it's they want Haaland to be the target man. Then it's they want goals coming from everyone else. So Doku tries to play, who's a completely different player to um, nice. Grealish. And yeah, Mares. And it, it it just feels like they're in their own sort of transition. I think the, the treble hangover is a real thing. And I think what people as well seem to forget is if this was a normal season before Pep came in, City would still, this would still be regarded as an unbelievable season. Like City have set the standards so high that to be at the stage they are now seems like a disappointment. 
they've still got a lot of points and we've seen City and Liverpool uh, and Arsenal to be fair like the past two two seasons are the only teams that can go on like a 15 game winning streak so to count City out I think would be foolish they have lost key players but they've still got the best key player which is Pep Guardiola he he can do things like he made Ake he won the league with Delph as left back so if he, he can do whatever like you know, if anyone's going to fix the mess, I think it'll be Pep. And like you mentioned, KDB is still to come back. Still an incredible player, we imagine. Haaland's still there. Alvarez, Grealish. So, yeah, it's too early to count City out, I think. Yeah. yeah. But what, well, I would say, though, what if KDB comes back here and he can't do what he could before? Because from, from what the insiders are saying, yeah, this hamstring injury was up there with getting ACO in terms of the amount of power that you lose. This was a serious hamstring injury. It was a grade three. He needed surgery. And you know how hard it is to come up from the ACL. Now imagine your hamstring just popping, the tendon completely coming up and have to reattach it. I think that will affect KDB physically a lot. If he, if he comes back here and uh, and he's doing those surgeon runs and bulldozers in the midfield, yeah, he's on the finest PEDs ever known to man because he shouldn't be coming back here hitting the ground running from that injury, on his opinion. Because he got rushed back for community shield, got injured against Burnley. So already he's at deficit fitness wise. I can't see him hitting the ground running, but if he does, Pep needs to give us all his plug. Those PDs are gonna be hitting if KDB comes back the same. I'm sorry, because he's turning 33 next year or 32. There's no he has no right to be coming back here to that, that level. I'm sorry. Now we are not if he did. We both we both don't want him to. And if he doesn't, then it will be very hard for City. And City will need players who it will be the first time stepping up to step up. So Julian Alvarez will have to take a bigger role. He's been stinking up a few weeks now. City fans are happy with him. He has, he has. But the, but the thing is that it's it's also kind of unfair on him because I feel like Alvarez wasn't bought to be in this position this quickly. When Julian Alvarez was bought last season, he wasn't meant to be City's main main man, by the way, because Haaland is out as well. So now that's the expectation bestowed on him. But he needs he might need to live up to it if KDB comes back not the same. But then there's also Bernardo Silva. I can't write him out as well. Foden will have to step up. Foden will have to have his career-defining season if City are going to win the league. And Erling Haaland is Erling Haaland. He's always going to put the ball away. He's not putting the ball away as mad as he did last season, but he's still the top scorer with 14 goals in 17, 16 games. Yeah, That's still very crazy. So there's still a lot of football to be played. Let's see what happens after the Club World Cup, because you never know, they might get injuries out there as well. So let's see what state the squad is in when they come back from the Club World Cup. But Arsenal and Liverpool, one of them needs to get points on the board over City. And also already got two Three points. points. Well, you've gained two points on City because they yeah. dropped one. Yeah. And you can gain a further three next week. Liverpool can gain a further three next week. That's what needs to happen. Put the pressure on City so that when City come back, they know every game in hand they have to win. Perfect. That'd be perfect. Like City, going to the second season, that'd be perfect. They have to aim to be unbeaten to even have a chance of winning the title. That's how crazy it is. They literally have to win 90% of their games remaining to get 90 points. I don't know if people are understanding this. But the thing is, so, I asked both of you this question. If they did, would you guys be surprised, though? 
And nah, nah, we're just like fucking on it. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, man. Nothing you can do about that. So that's why I said I don't know how to answer the question because yeah, like, because if they go and do eighteen wins yeah. or nineteen again, you just have to hold it, man. You just be like, damn, you've done it again. You got me. They've done it before. They can do it again. Yeah. yeah but anyway, but but this time, remember, man, the contract on KDB for the running though. Um, Bolden needs to chip in. Bernardo will chip in, but who's gonna be who's gonna be the Gundogan? Who's gonna be the Morris? Because you already have Bernardo Silva and KDB. You have Roger as well. You have them three, but who is going to take up the 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 workload of Morris and Gundogan? That's what I'm I'm interested to see. Doku and Grealish will have to step up. Kovacic and Mateusz Nunes will have to take their chances. Um, Rico Lewis, because he took his chance over the weekend, he was all right yeah, as well. You will have to step up. They'll have to pray that John Stones can stay be, can stay fit for the important okay. part of the season. So. City do have players. Let's not act as if City... But they have players, but it's about... Are this improvised team that are missing KDB, even though it's a huge miss, but they have players that need to step up. Also, bear in mind, Walker has been poor this season, man. Yeah. 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 He's been poor. I mean, it's... It, I, I think there's a lot of City players who have been poor, to be fair. I th- they've been getting dragged out of games. Like, the Sheffield United match in particular was... Yeah, that was the first sign of, like something's not right here and they're getting pulled out by the players who are performing like Haaland and stuff but yeah I, I don't know what it is I don't know if it's the players they've lost I don't know if if, if like Dan said before if it's the hangover like if the treble or if the financial fair play is finally starting to have like a bit of an effect on them because they haven't been able to sign who they want we know they wanted Pakatar but they didn't get him in the end and yeah yeah yeah, but then they ended up with Nunes, and he's he's not been a good fit. And I don't know, it's something about them just doesn't seem right. There's a lot of turbulence going on at the club. They're just they're doing a good. They've been doing a good job of keeping it under wraps, and I mean this season the cracks are starting to show. And look, like I said, if anyone can do it, it's City, and they are one the best team in Premier League history, as far as I'm concerned. But. They need to get a handle on it because that Palace result was a huge statement for them this season that they're not to the level that they ex- they're expected to be. Yeah, I think going to the second half season, all pressures on City. They can't afford to drop silly points anymore. All yeah. the pressures on them. As I said, they have to win ninety percent of their games to even get ninety points. So all the pressures on them. We can enjoy the ride. Everyone is chill. Like we're calm. Like we obviously have to do our jobs, but all the pressures on City. In my honest opinion. If I'm in the Arsenal Liverpool dressing room, I'm telling my players, which is on City. Look, look what Pep was saying in the, in the in the press conference. Oh, if City don't win, it's a failure. No shit. You're, you're generational. You have the most you have a biggest budget in Europe. Of course, the pressure's on you. If I'm Arsenal Liverpool, forget all the chit chat. The pressure's on City. It's up to them to perform. We can just do our mm-hmm. bit. That, that's what I have to do. That's what I have to do, man. It's gearing up for an old-fashioned Barclays three-horse race. Whereby first to ninety points wins the league. All this nonsense of ninety plus points doesn't guarantee league title. Yeah, was nasty, man. You guys getting ninety two, not win the league, ninety seven, not win the league. That was disgusting. I'm sorry, that is gut wrenching, fam. Absolutely gut wrenching. Yeah. We need to get us the old days where ninety points, you're champions. Getting ninety, not guaranteed the title. Nasty, absolutely nasty. Arsenal fan feels the a non Liverpool fan feels the pain. Nah, Pep, see Pep here, go to punish him because. He's oppressing us, fam. This guy has oppressed his league way too long. And it's a disgrace that City fans were booing him yesterday. 
You see, fans need to relax. Like, wait, why did, wait, why did oh you... yeah, hundred percent. See, fans are booing or booing um the, the, the yeah. players. I'm thinking, how dare you guys boo see, uh, your players? You you think, they got booed, bro. Do you think do you think the Real Madrid that did the Bernabeu? Why they, they boo the players? Fam, they're, they're talking like, oh, because of the high standard. I'm thinking, it's because of Pep. You have these standards, bro. Go back to Mancini oh. days. You won one league title and was shite. You got Pellegrini, won one league title and you were shite. If it wasn't for Pep here, that Arab money would have not gone to good use at all. You'd be like, like, like fam, yeah, that like PSG. Money doesn't guarantee you a thing in this football thing. You need a top coach. And with the day Pep, I, I hope they run Pep out of, of Manchester. I hope, I pray they do. Piss him off. Pep is very egotistical. If you feel like the fans are testing him, walk away. Do it. If Pep walks away, there's going to be a party in Liverpool. There's going to be a party in North London. <laughs> There'll be a party across Europe because it means you aren't a threat. Because who can extract what Pep has extracted from that club in the last five, eight years? Lewis was no. saying he got Ake to play left back at a decent level. Man, man had John Stones and um, Rodri playing double pivot, looking like prime Busquets and Alonso. He made a country like a decent defender. It's so annoying. He was left back. Like Ake was his left back, and he was a centre back in a relegated Bournemouth team. Like he's he's just a freak, Pep Guardiola. Like, even look at Akanji. He made Akanji top level, as in like a decent squad player for a top side. And Akanji has, has has a poor rep in Bundesliga as a stripper. Yeah, yeah it wasn't as if Akanji was like Upamecano had a bigger reputation and was seen to be a better centre back than Akanji before he came to. Mm. Now, if you ask most people who's better, most people are going to tell you Akanji. And that's not because he all of a sudden became good. Credit has to go to Pep. Yeah, it's... I don't know with City, but... The City fans need to relax, man. Like, I dare them to run him up. I dare them to piss Pep off. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if you if you, if you piss Pep off, he doesn't really have contracts. Ah, mate, mate. City, you aren't doing shit. Because no yeah. one is matching the output. They'll have a Fergie like drop-off. Is cr- losing a goat manager, we've seen it on the other side of Manchester. Losing a goat manager, yeah, you, you're going to be lost for yeah. a while. So, City fans, continue, continue booing. If you guys don't leave the season, piss Pep off. I dare you guys. I dare you. And the day, if you guys let Pep walk away, kiss goodbye to your to, to all that silverware. You ain't seeing nothing again. Apart from a cup run and a top three finish, you ain't doing much. Touch wood. Yeah, touch wood. Yeah, piss Pep off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Piss Pep off. Do <laughs> oh, that leads me to um. I want to shout out two young coaches there that are doing great this season. Um, first, Thiago Mota doing well with Bologna, seven wins, seven mm-hmm. draws, two defeats. Currently fourth place in Serie A, off a two 0 win against Roma. So did he beat Roma? So he beat yeah, two 0 He's fourth now. So Thiago Mota, applause for Thiago Mota. Mourinho's getting sacked. <laughs> and also, um, Jabra Alonso, Liverpool legend, doing amazing at Leverkusen. Might not win the league, but. Oh. Doing great for himself. Um, might get the Madrid move next summer. We'll see. But if I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm, I'm praying that he delays that move from Leverkusen just in time for Klopp when Klopp leaves so he can get Lonzo. But yeah, mm. those are two coaches that are doing very well. They're, they're next up. Do you know why I like what Alonso's doing a lot? Like, forget the f- football he's playing. Forget the fact that he used to play for Liverpool. This is the first time since Klopp was at Dortmund that there's actually a second German team. That's that quality. Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, like, yes, say what we want about German football, but let's be honest, when Dortmund and Bayern were good, that was entertaining. Now with Leverkusen, that's entertaining. Even in the Europa League, if there's a situation where it's a Liverpool-Leverkusen final, 
people are actually going to tune into that because Leverkusen are a quality team. So I like the fact that he's actually made them look like one of the better teams. Yeah, that's competitive. And I know this is like a wider topic. I, I feel like with football to become better, we just need more of that. I feel like the Premier League has too much money compared to the other leagues, deservedly so. And I feel like the gap between them and the other leagues have widened. Yes, you can say Newcastle and United finished last in the group. But if we're going to talk about the favourites for the Champions League, two out of the top four are City and, Ars- are City and Arsenal. Then you have Real Madrid. Then you have Bayern Munich. And if we're being honest, the only reason why people put Bayern Munich close to the other three is heritage. heritage and because of Harry Kane as well. So big up Xabi Alonso and big up Mota. I hope more young coaches, forward-thinking coaches, get big jobs and can actually create better teams across Europe because it makes football more entertaining. Yeah, 100% because um, the Pep generation, outside Pep and Klopp, no one's good in that echelon. Two shows tier two, in my honest opinion. Conte has disgraced himself at Spurs, running away from Inter. Like no one is good now. I feel like people like like Con- your Conte, Simeone's, Allegri's, they're not as good as they were like in 2015. Yeah, like, like basically the, the, the old heads. Outside that generation, only Pep and Klopp are still flying the flag for that generation in terms of quality as a coach and making their teams competitive. Obviously, with Simeone, he had a drop-off coaching-wise, but in terms of the budget, He's done what he can with as Madrid. So the manager market is not it's a game for boys. I'm just hoping that there's a new generation of coaches spearheaded by Arteta, Alonso, Mota, those type of guys become the new big three, you know, just to push the game forward. Shout out to Deserve, yeah. Deserve's eight years older than Arteta. Deserve's an old head. He's been at sort of way beforehand as well. So yeah, man, that it's it's, it's getting healthy, it's getting healthy. But uh, football is, is a transition, as I said. Messi Ronaldo. They're finished. It's over. That era is over. Just waiting for Pep to, you know, scooch along and just move along and start things some interesting, man. Now we do. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I completely agree. We need there's a there's a good crop of young coaches coming through, and even like Thomas Frank at Brentford, you know, he looks really good, and uh, it's it's just it's exciting to see. And the the big thing about Leverkusen as well is. They're doing great in the league, but they're still in the league cup over there. They're still they top their Europa League group. Like they're, they're fighting on all fronts, and it's really really exciting to see. Yeah, I man. just hope they don't sell their best players to Bayern. I hope Verts doesn't go to Bayern. Because if I see Verts going to Bayern, even though I don't really follow that league, I'll like literally boycott that league entirely because like that's just that just kills like that kills the nature of sports in my I'm opinion. Not, I'm not gonna lie, it's either Verts goes to Bayern Munich or ends up at C. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. But what I hope is, it's a case where he either, if he ends up at one of those two, I hope he can stay for at Leverkusen for two more years so that next season, I don't know, Leverkusen can go on a title run or can be a dark horse in the Champions League. And he can yeah. Let's be fair, his dad did say that they're looking to stay for one more season. But I think that depends on, on, on Alonso staying. That makes sense because, to be fair, if this whole Ancelotti flirt session with the Brazil national team is finally over. Alonso can move to Real Madrid and that might change Verts' position and a lot of players in Leverkusen. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a max exodus over there. 100%, 100%. But anyway, today's been a good chat about football, lads. Um, hopefully we see more of Lewis upcoming. Maybe for the return game, Arsenal-Liverpool in Feb. We'll book him in for that one, mate. 
Yeah, I'm happy with that. Hopefully get a hopefully get a result there I could do with it after today. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so Arsenal Liverpool the February game, we'll have you on. And yeah, cheers, cheers to Lewis, cheers to Dan, and that's uh end of this week's episode. Take care, guys. <laughs>